Hi and welcome to Detox Talks the Detox a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos how they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do thanks for tuning in this is Kunal Chandirmani and you are listening to Detox Talks the Detox with Patricia Hatter on the podcast. Patricia is the former Chief Customer Officer of Palo Alto Networks. Thank you so much for taking time and welcome to DDOX. Oh, my pleasure, Canal. Thanks for having me. So before we get further, how's your journey been like? Well, I've been through uh, a number of uh, different uh, large tech companies. So engineering, two engineering degrees to uh, begin with, started with AT&T, um, in New Jersey, that really quickly led to um, actually one of the most formative uh, roles that I ever had. Um, I was early in my career and had an opportunity to move to Europe. And I had total of my experience in Europe was four days in Munich when I was in grad school. And uh, I had a great first ever boss I had who gave me a great opportunity to say, hey, go build a business, pick wherever you want to land in in Europe, figure it out, and then you can move back to the U.S. You know, when you have one of those formative roles where you really learn so much, it's so different than what you've experienced before, that was spectacular. That really set a, a baseline for me of, hey, you can get through anything. If you listen to customers, just put one foot in front of the other. And that's been a kind of a foundation of how I've uh, done my other roles. But I went from AT&T to Cisco, went uh, then moved into the cybersecurity space with uh, McAfee, where I was the CIO and head of operations. In between McAfee and uh, my role at uh, Palo Alto Networks, So I started to get involved in early stage companies Um, and I just find it so exhilarating to be around founders that are, you know, passionate about an idea, really trying to find that fit in the, in the uh, market. So ever since then, I've had my fingers in uh, um, quite a few investments in uh, early stage companies. There's a a group that I uh, work with on that. And then most recently, three and a half years at uh, Palo Alto uh, Networks as the uh, chief customer officer. So um, it, that was a, an incredible run. I do think uh, we lived through the most crazy cybersecurity meltdowns the world had ever seen in those three and a half years. So that's, that's one for the record books, I have to say. But it was uh, just a, an, a really interesting journey where you see the, you know, so many of the companies really become much more aware, sensitized, focused on um, the, the implications of cybersecurity, what they need to do to protect themselves, that it's not just their CISO, their chief information security officer's role. It's really a, a company-wide um, effort. So it was very interesting to move through that wave, even with all the the craziness that was going on. <laughs> I love that. What about change? Like so many points of change between one place, one role, one country, one continent for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> How do you look at change? Like when there's change happening, it's it's rather overwhelming very often. How do you like keep yourself focused on doing what is required while change is happening around you? I th- and that's a great question. I think for for me, it's you have to 
find a, a point that you're trying to get to. What are you really trying to, to drive to? So whether that change is, hey, you're moving countries and trying to set up something new, you have to figure out what am I doing? Who do I need to meet? You know, what are the goals? How do I get some traction? Um, whether it's that or, you know, there's some cybersecurity meltdown <laughs> as has been uh, happening lately. You have to have some center of what's your core strategy. So there can be a lot of noise around you. There will be a lot of noise around you. And at a certain point, you have to, you know, pay enough attention to that, but st stay focused on what's most important. I think people can get really distracted with the noise and lose sight of what is most important to be making progress on. I love that. So what was your first experience with a change that got you into the framework? Moving to Europe, you know, with no background. I mean, when, when I talk about it now, it really sounds like, oh, Patty, your boss must have been insane to have you, have you uh, do that. But it was, you know, such a interesting experience where I, I'm literally sitting in a blank office outside of, we were just talking about uh, Amsterdam, outside of Amsterdam, thinking, okay, who do I need to meet? How do I find some sales guys? I use those sales guys to get to customers. What kind of, you know, you just have to, it, it would have been so easy to get overwhelmed in that situation of where do you start? Just the differences in cultures between different countries. I had to sort of piece my way through that, given that I didn't have beyond my four days of uh, experience in uh, Germany. So really being open to attuned to your surroundings, listening to what's going on, not getting overwhelmed, but absorbing what are what are you seeing and how do you synthesize, okay, if this is if this is what it is, if this is happening, okay, what's my next step? What's my next step? What's my next step? And yeah, not getting overwhelmed, not getting down on yourself if something doesn't happen, you know, quickly and just being flexible in how you're thinking and okay, pivot. Did that work? Didn't quite work as you wanted. Okay, pivot, pivot. And, you know, I think a lot of folks, it, it's so easy to get down on an idea or bummed out about something. And then that takes you down a very negative path. And I think probably one of the, the best tools that I have is an amazing resilience and very optimistic person. So to me, the glass is always not just half full, all the way full and overflowing, you know, so it, you just never let yourself, at least for me, it's always, okay, well, there was some good out of that situation. How do we move it forward? How do we move it forward? At least that's, that's how I look at things. What about firefighting? I've lived through quite a, a, a number of uh, those. When you're in a company, obviously, you're trying to grow your business. You have to keep an eye on the, the bigger financial implications of what you're doing to keep moving the uh, business forward. But you know, if you look at some of the cybersecurity challenges that the world has uh, gone through over the past few years with what happened with pandemic and everybody sheltering in place and what that meant on the digital transformation side and then the cybersecurity side and solar winds and log4j and the war in Ukraine, which really sent a lot of uh, enterprises uh, uh, worried about the possible cybersecurity implications. I think for 
for leaders, you have to balance the, you know, your, your quarterly and, and annual goals that you're trying to get to and keep that on one side of your brain and then mobilize the efforts to make sure that things are stable and you're getting through the sort of panic that is, that is uh, happening because you can't let yourself just fully tumble into just a day-to-day thrashing. Because my experience as a leader, you need to have a balance of both. Because if you lose your way in being able to balance both of those, it's going to be that much harder for your team. Any fun stories that came out of this? Well, they're, they're probably more fun now than uh, when they were uh, happening. You know, the thing that uh, when I was at uh, Palo Alto and I just left at the end of uh, December, but of all the cybersecurity events that, uh, uh, that happened over that uh, time period, I would say the one that really drove the biggest wave of customer worry into the business was actually, and it's kind of surprising, but it was the, the Ukraine crisis. And for us, it was a real crazy step function of enterprises around the world that were worried, uh, all of a sudden worried about cyber attacks. And I remember like early in that whole thing at the end of February last year, and uh I had CNN on, I'm on calls, and uh, I was, uh, at the time, there was a, an event where somebody from the White House was saying it's patriotic duty for enterprises to protect themselves from a cybersecurity perspective, and then President Biden came on, and you could just sort of, like, feel the wave of concern <laughs> coming through the, the, you know, so I'm listening to that on in one ear on uh, CNN and then on these uh, customer calls where they were just really worried about heightened anxiety around cyber attacks as that, uh, as that war started. And that really just the influx of ish, not issues, but worry of issues that what, what is coming and, uh, you know, our customers from a CISO and CIO perspective, they were getting pinged all the time from their CEOs, from their board. And uh, so the questions were all rolling into um, rolling into uh, us. But it was it was interesting to see the, the political uh, situation playing out as it was and then directly feel that concern coming in from um, that heightened concern coming in from customers that lasted for months. I mean, that's kind of a perfect example where you have to react to the to the panic that's going on in the market. And you have to tackle that with your customers. But as a leader, you've got to keep the longer term vision of where you're trying to go. You can't let yourself get sucked down in the rabbit hole. Also, you have to deal with the day to day emergencies, but you have to keep that bigger picture that's tough there's something i always wonder when there's so much happening around you and the change element that it overwhelms you it kind of puts a whole cloud of fog but you still need to do the work Mm -hmm. because like there's change happening which is feeling overwhelming and you you just feel like focusing on that change but you have to ignore that change that's going to affect every single thing just so you can focus on what is going to make it go away yeah it's being able to manage the swirl and not get caught up in it and find your own center of gravity however you that's the the balance for people that find themselves in in a lot of different industries have those uh situations but uh it's being relaxed when 
the chaos is happening. Because if you're panicking, you are not helping anybody. And you're, you're not helping yourself because you're just letting yourself get, you know, thrown around with all the worry that everybody else has. I think the rough patches are similar because there's just so much happening that in a rough patch when there's so much going wrong, but the only way you can stop <laughs> it from going wrong is by not focusing on it and just looking through it. Looking through it and having a, you know, because I... Uh, you know, there were many conversations within our company of, oh, Patty, what is what is happening here? And, you know, really, why are customers, you know, is, is something going on with the products? Why are customers calling in this much? Why are they having so many um, concerns? And really trying to piece together the what's the mindset of the customers? Why did their behavior change so rapidly? Because most of the time people are very predictable. And when you have, you know, customers really change their behavior in such a so dramatically in such a short period of time, it is a little shocking and you have to sort of think your way through why are they doing what they're doing? And then how do we how do we uh, address that? And I think the as you're as you're working through that, you're not just helping your own team, but you're helping the rest of the the company to say, okay, here's the situation. Here's what we're doing about it. This isn't this isn't going to change overnight. You know, the the situation isn't suddenly going to go away. Everything's not suddenly going to get better overnight. But here are the steps that are taking. So being able to say, here's our plan. Here's how we're working through it. Here's where we are in the plan. We'll pivot if we need to. I think that helps everybody stay centered. It gives folks something positive to work on and not just, you know, get tumbled around in the uh, worry of, what is happening? How are we going to get out of this? But, you know, if people can focus their energy and their their thoughts on, okay, here are the productive steps that we're taking in this short order. Here's when it'll get better. Here's when we'll, we'll feel the results. I think that helps people through the most challenging times. But it really says from a leader, you have to keep your center of gravity and can't can't lose it because if you lose it, then that puts a lot of strain on your team. You briefly mentioned it that how things are just so much better in the review mirror when then they are when you're looking at them directly when you're driving <laughs> into them. Yeah, once you're through the worst of it, it it seems very uh, clear. But it's from my perspective, it's good to always sort of evaluate how did something go? How did you work through that? Um, you know that that situation, whether it was a you know, cybersecurity attack, or you're you're trying to launch something in a new market. Take your learnings. But what I've actually really practiced had to, had to practice myself is stop second guessing. I really actively think, okay, what what can I learn from that? You know, what worked, what didn't, what would I do differently going forward? And then I put all that in a you know, I take those lessons. I try to move move forward with those but then i actively say okay don't you're you're not going to revisit anything again on that you know you're not going to sit and wring your hands of hey how would i i should have done that differently keep second guessing yourself because it's so negative 
nothing's going to change. Take those lessons, move that forward, put the rest in a box and bury that box. <laughs> Wait, any boxes that you dug up and they turned out to be great stories? You get um, a lot of people ask questions like, you know, best success or, or worst failure. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know that I would even characterize anything as a, as a terrible failure because if something is, a, again, this is probably my glass half full glass always full running over um, perspective, but I really do try to keep on top of what whatever I'm I'm doing. And and then you just keep pivoting. Is there something we should have done differently? Can can we add something? Yeah, I, I just don't once I've buried a box, I don't dig it up again. What's your favorite dinner time story like or a Thanksgiving story? A story from some situation that you faced? So I'm a technical female, you know, two engineering degrees and something that comes up in a lot of conversations with with technical females that are sort of early in their career and just getting started. You know, what what I see, because this is what I experience, what I see with a, a lot of other folks, a lot of other technical females is we're the ones that like triple checked our homework. You know, we're the ones that worried over the precision of, of everything. And one of the things, and this was lucky for me that I learned early in my career, thanks to um, all the bar time I needed to spend with my customers in London when I lived there, was, you know, the, the details matter, but you have to get out there and you, you have to put yourself out there to understand what's the difference in markets what's the you know difference between folks in different countries what are your customers thinking what did they need all of that isn't going to come to you in a really nice package you're going to have to go out and and seek that information and if you're worried about hey let me triple check this powerpoint deck and that's what I'll do all night as opposed to like having dinner with some potential customers or out having a drink with some sales guys, hearing what what they're hearing. You know, this isn't a Thanksgiving story, but that it it comes up a, a lot in um, sort of the the technical female world of especially when you're getting started. You just let go of the details. You know, worry about that enough, but that's that shouldn't be your driving your your driving need of what you're doing 24/7 you really have to get out in that big world and experience it listen to what others are saying that is so important and that's even something that i you know it took me several years to keep reminding myself of don't sweat the just sweat the details you need to really be listening to the market and and spending your time out there but i think it's just so important that, that makes so much sense i think like just having that trust it takes a while from not not double checking or like just being able to have that trust that okay let's move to the next step let's exactly it's letting go you know <laughs> learning to to let go of, and, and this goes back to, you know, once I take my lessons learned on whatever I was just working through and I put that situation in a box, bury the box and move forward, letting go of things, not getting wound up on second guessing, getting upset about second guessing what you've done and just, uh, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and moving on. As a chief customer officer, there's so much to a certain limit, you're empathizing so much with the customer and then you're empathizing so much with your team. And it just, 
like it's kind of like even though it's kind of a bridge role and yes that that's a very good way to put it that's a very good way to put it and uh yeah i would have a lot of the sales guys that uh i worked with their typical comment to me was patty i don't know how you do your role i you know if i had to listen to you know what what the customers are telling you all the time because the customers i were talk i would be frequently talking to were the ones that were in the most precarious situations most upset about something so your your whole day is just at a high sort of fevered pitch and for me the the thing that i that helped me sort of empathize with with uh, our customers and our, again our customers were the CIOs CISOs of of the enterprises in a prior life in a prior world I was a I was a CIO myself so I know I had I had some of those same conversations with the with the uh, technology vendors that uh, that I was using and you know so you, you can the more you can put yourself in the shoes of of your customers because they're worried for their job I mean, in a lot of cases, they're you know they've made a bet on a particular technology or particular uh, vendor. Um, they're worried for their job, so the more you can let them know, "Hey, I get it. You know, I was you in a previous role. I understand." And you know, the thing I would end up saying the most is, I, "I've got you. You know, we will move heaven and earth to make sure this works." And you know, just the fact that, um, you know, I, I knew a lot of my customers when, when I was in that CIO role. So they, they know there's that empathy and there's that understanding of why they're, why they're so worked up. That is worth its weight. It's worth its weight in gold. And I think, you know, as we're talking about this, I think that empathy, you know, not just with your customers, but also with your, employees and other you know people and other functions across uh across the company the more you have different experiences in a lot of different types of roles and a lot of different types of situations that empathy helps to diffuse the you know the worry the chaos the oh my gosh how are we going to get through this if you can if the other person you're talking to that's really agitated really believes that you you understand them you can calm the situation down more quickly. My view is that helps you get to a more productive, okay, how do we get to the other side of this? Just lets you get more productive more quickly as opposed to, you know, everybody's wound up and, and you know, you, you end up spending 50 minutes, everybody's really agitated and only 10 minutes on, okay, what are we going to do about it? If you can, you know, get that level of empathy that helps to build the trust. And then you can, my experience is, then you can move forward more quickly. And just from, from my point of view, it's calming for me then, because then you've diffused each of these conversations that are happening one right after another. If you can diffuse those quickly, it brings my heart rate down as well. And then you can sort of more productively get to the answer. So I, I think for for a lot of people, at least for me, empathy is really key. No, I I think empathy, the power of empathy in business is extremely underrated. Yes, yes, I completely agree. Completely agree. And it don't you find it common? A lot of times, you have to be the first person to reach out to say, "Hey, I I understand. 
I understand why you're upset. I get it. Here's how I can, you know, prove that you can relate to it. I think that helps build trust so much more quickly than everybody just screaming. Just connecting on a human level because it's it's unfortunate so many people especially who are not in business or who've not been in a senior enough role to see the whole machine as a whole but have just seen one gear of it right and end up looking at it as a robot and don't end up seeing that it's not a robot it's it's far from it it's a it's it's a it's a very it's an organism exactly. it's a living organism yeah filled with so many emotions so many different people's inputs and feedbacks and outcomes and expectations but it's far from a robot and like it it just sad when so many people from like look at it that way because just unfortunate how so how that is because like business is so like just connecting with people on a human level mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely agree i completely agree at least for me i find that a much more natural way to uh, interact with people i for me it's much more productive and just how i choose to go through my day oh, yeah, i love that i think it's it's so important to just think to yourself that this is is the world these are the people around me and they're all actually people they're mm-hmm. looking at them as you, as people with with families with their lives with their personal goals and i think people think that very often think that if you empathize with them it makes you it doesn't help at all but it just helps so much because now you're connected on a level where where you want to help them and they want to help you and you end up achieve because i think so many times people thinks that them achieving whatever they want is very exclusive of everyone else but then you mutually achieve even a lot further <laughs> I, i i completely agree i completely agree there there are still a lot of people in the world that are you know it's a zero sum game mm-hmm. if uh if you win they lose so they they've, they've got to uh turn the uh, tables around but uh I just have a different uh view of that and and you know I think that comes after you know trying different approaches out and like I said I I think this is starting with that empathy and you know trying to reach out first and then hopefully the other person reaches uh reaches back it's just a much better way to get through your day it gets you a better result and you know just helps diffuse even the most contentious conversations thinking as a world thinking mutually rather than exclusively right. through all the changes and like so many different places countries like we spoke about what do you think like at this moment how do you stay detoxed my baseline is and and everybody i work with knows this cuz these these times are off uh, limits but that i will always be in an exercise class 10:30 till noon on a saturday and sunday it's like i have calls before them and have calls after them but that time my my uh my uh phone is uh off and for me just knowing well a i should exercise more than twice a week but just knowing that that's there and that's a ritual that uh uh that i hold to i find that super super helpful and then the other thing during the craziest times in the like at the beginning of the shelter in place and the the uh pandemic we this is a long story i will not go into it but we happened to inherit two dogs two full grown adult dogs one of them very large 110 pounds of fur and going on walks with those dogs was amazingly therapeutic 
I would disappear for, you know, during the worst times of the pandemic where you couldn't do anything, I would disappear for two hours at a time, just walking through the neighborhood. Oh my gosh, I never realized how relaxing that is. But that was, that ended up being like one of the the best rituals that I got in place that knew during the pandemic, just walking through the neighborhood with those dogs, you really take stock in, hey, it's okay, look, it's sunny out, you know, there might be all this other craziness going on. But I, I found it really, really, really calming. So that then you could, once the walk was over, brought the dogs back home. It just let me center on, okay, here's the the work that needs to get done and let's get back uh, to it. But I would have never imagined walking with dogs <laughs> would be so, you know, since we were just talking about Zen, but would be so relaxing and really help you just, you know, cut to the chase. But that, that was a, a great new ritual that I have. Perfect. Before we go further, anything you'd want to add from any situations you've been in earlier? You know, the, the one thing that, that I probably should have uh, mentioned during the uh, European time, because this, this was uh, so counter my normal, but it worked well at the, uh, this relates to the whole technical females double checking their homework and spending too much time there as opposed to sort of out and about. One of the best lessons I got early on in my career, part of the whole European experience so originally I was outside of Amsterdam and then uh, there for three years. And then I moved to London for three years. And, you know, London's different in uh, how the whole business works. And uh, a lot of our uh, customers were large financial services companies, very senior folks that were their offices were in London. And it got to the point that the best way to get meetings with these senior guys was to tell them you'd meet them in a bar. So it got to the point that, you know, I picked out this really comfortable bar and I would have hourly meetings. My secretary would help me set up these hourly meetings and I would literally be in a bar all afternoon, you know, just meeting after meeting. But it was it, it gets to a, you know, do what your customers put your customers in an environment that they feel comfortable with. And at the time it was uh, this, this nice, very fancy uh, bar in a, in a nice district in uh, London. But, you know, if somebody would have asked me six months before that, Hey, Patty, how are you going to be spending your time trying to develop business in London? The last thing I would have said was, hey, I'm going to sit in a bar all afternoon and this is going to be my best way forward with these customers. You know, it was a, a learning for me of, hey, you know, meet these folks where they're comfortable. You you want to hear what their issues are. You want to uh, develop that empathy that we were uh, talking about, those those relationships. And hey, if it's, you know, comfortable in a bar as opposed to their office, then, you know, who am I to... Uh, who am I to complain? Um, but it was a, you know, kind of a part of my transition from, hey, this is, that's going to be much more effective than me sitting in an office doing up PowerPoint slides to present to those p potential customers in their office. That is, that's not the best way forward. So 
Um, yeah, sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone to uh, meet your customers where they where they are. Moving to the rapid fire round. Quick questions, answer them in the least possible time. Okay. Apples or oranges? Apples. Apple or Android? Apple. Mac or Windows? Mac. One piece of advice that is given very often but isn't true. Be super planful of your career. I think you just have to take opportunities as they come. One piece of advice that should be given more often. Uh, don't be too hard on yourself. One person you admire. Husband. Your favorite city in the world. San Remo, Italy. Your favorite movie. Alfred Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief. Your favorite music. British pop bands. One thing you wish you knew earlier. Don't overthink things. Trust your own instincts. Your favorite food? Italian food. Favorite artist? Uh, Alex Fournier. A favorite singer? Robbie Williams. Second favorite movie? I love the birds. A favorite animal? Two dogs that I inherited. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking our time. This was such a pleasure. You just heard an episode on the Detox Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.